Hey there, smelly cats. How you doing? You'll want to grab yourself a huge cup of coffee on this one because we are visiting the pop culture winter wonderland one more time this season. And this time we're tuning into 90s classic Friends. Get ready for some education adjacent connections to six highly caffeinated friends and the hilarious ins and outs of their lives shared with us over 10 seasons. Let's just hope this doesn't turn into a Joey Tribbiani level disaster faster than Ross can pivot into a pair of leather pants. Welcome back to the Grounded Learners Guild, the podcast that gets real about education, authentic leadership, and the transcendent power of being a part of a highly functioning team. Here are your very own guildmates and hosts, Casey Veach, Emily Coakland, and me, Jenny Labrie. Welcome back to the Pop Culture Winter Wonderland with the Grounded Learners Guild. We are always excited to do this when we have a little bit of time where we can do some enjoyable, fun, lighthearted content, still keeping things connected to the world of education and learning, but also making connections to some fun pop culture and or nostalgia culture, I guess, things that we've enjoyed. And this episode, we're turning back the clocks a little bit and exploring everyone's favorite group of 20 to 30-somethings friends and making those connections with education, collaboration, teamwork, and leadership. One norm, as you know, if you've been here for any amount of time, and that is 20 minutes. Are we going to make it this time, guys? I'm not sure. It's usually something that we struggle with, but we still try to set that norm because like we said, we're trying to keep it lighthearted and the content short. And we decided to have some fun over break, and we actually decided to sit all around the same table and record together, again, hovering over the same mic because we loved doing that in D.C., and the sound quality was great. So we're going to try it again, y'all. Hope you'll like it, but if you hear some creaking chairs and some tables screeching, that's what it's about. And good luck to whoever's editing. Lately, it's been Emily, so tag your it. I mean, I probably deserve it. We're at my house with my loud dogs as usual. So, you know, roll of the dice as always. <laughs> so to kick things off, just in case you have lived under a rock for a while, Friends tells a story or really follows along those 20 to 30 somethings, six friends living in New York together and just trying to find their place and space and creating some pretty hilarious moments in the process. I personally don't believe that they're a codependent group because I actually see a lot of parallels to our story (laughs) (laughs) and the journey that we all had together working in the same organization. But I think one of the coolest things about this cast is their connection to each other extended outside of the screen. And this was one of the first casts, if I remember correctly, that really did band together and engaged in collective bargaining. Um, with one another because of the connection they felt. So ready to kick things off? Starting the connections early, Casey. Know, you're in your right? summary. Well played. So let's kick things off with probably the second greatest debate on the TV show, Friends. Were Ross and Rachel on a break? I'm not one to say about their relationship, but if we're going to be playing Six Degrees of Education here and making some connections, I would basically connect this to the importance of clear communication. Mm. They both had a different definition in their minds of what on a break actually meant. 
In Ross's opinion, it meant they could sleep with other people. (laughs) In Rachel's opinion, it meant that they just had time to think things over and decide where their relationship was going. And so she saw what he did as cheating, and therefore they argued about it for pretty much the rest of the show. Mm -hmm. So I think if they had really clearly communicated what is a break, you have to define things. Like you've said often, notice and name, right? Mm-hmm. We say this a lot. You have to notice and name some things. And sometimes for fear of stating the obvious, we don't, but we should. And mm-hmm. that is why. Yep. Emily, I'm going to piggyback off yours here when it comes to clarifying expectations. I think we talked about this in our behavior and classroom management episode, that oftentimes when we as teachers are creating our classroom management plans, we're not being as explicit as we can with those expectations. So for sure, whether it is relationship behaviors or how do we welcome our students into the classroom, what are their expectations for whole group, independent work or small group work, clarifying those expectations means we shift from being reactive in classroom management to proactive. So love that connection there. And I'm just going to take it one step further. Nice. And I'm going to take a hard left on this. Yeah. <laughs> someone's got to. And also, I'm not going to choose whether or not who was right or wrong on that one. So I'm going to try and take this a whole different direction. When I'm thinking about who is on a break and how that applies to it, teachers, I can't help but think because here we are two weeks in almost on a break break, as teachers, when we're on a break, what are we doing on a break? So if you're here listening as well, and you have the pleasure of having a break, what kind of, what kind of trouble did you get yourself into? If at all, what kind of stuff are you able to kick back and do when you're not in the confines of your day-to-day job that is keeping you kind of tied down? And so hopefully you, you had a little bit of fun can't say whether or not Ross or Rachel had any fun. I'm going to stay off of that one, but um, hopefully you did. Well, no matter what, it created some fun memories for us as viewers of the show. One of the side characters that's going to be our next connection here on this episode is Chandler Bing, played by the amazing Matthew Perry, who just recently passed away. But one of his previous girlfriends, who always seemed to find to make her way into episodes just at really precarious moments. Janice, what are some of the connections the three of us can make to the character Janice? All right. So I ended that one. I'm going to start this one for Janice. I think of Janice being that girlfriend that Chandler was scared to leave. He was just scared to leave her because he didn't know if he was either good enough or he could find something better. And so he just kept going back to the same old habits. And so in teaching and our strategies, who's your Janice? What do you just hang on to because you're comfortable there, but really you need to stretch yourself beyond your Janice? We've all got it. We've got to be introspective and we got to think about it. And how can we push past the, oh my God, (laughs) and do something different? Well, my connection is totally different, but I'm just going to go for it anyway. We have talked about on this podcast the importance of engaging in professional learning conferences. And I don't know if this is true for anyone else who attends these conferences, But nine times out of 10, I always reconnect with someone, even though I was unintentionally like going and not expecting to see them there. And I'm not talking inappropriate, but just like random people over the course of my career. And I always have that same, oh my gosh, reaction. Like I have not seen you. And it's just, we're able to pick things up back from when we left off. 
So like Jenny, you were saying, you know, that the difficulty in making a change or moving on, you will find the universe will find a way to bring and rekindle that connection. And I think in education, the world is so small that you'll see those people and be reunited again. I feel like mine kind of splits the difference on these two connections because I was mostly just thinking of the swinging pendulum of education. So they often say that particular practices or key instructional ideas are kind of like a swinging pendulum where it tends to go back and forth between some of the same things. And interestingly enough, Janice would always swing back around (laughs) when you hadn't seen her a while, right? So, yes, you would always have those moments where they run into her someplace crazy and, like, Chandler is not expecting to see her at all. Sometimes he would get on a plane and go to Yemen to get away from her. (laughs) (laughs) But she always swung back around just like that pendulum of education, keeping it short. Well played. Speaking of Chandler again, um, again, late Matthew Perry made this probably one of the most entertaining um, and humorous characters. And I believe a lot of his like funny one-liners were improv But let's talk about Chandler and his job. So one of the humorous kind of side storylines was none of the friends really could say what Chandler's job was. Like, what is exa- what exactly do you do here kind of moment? And I'm going to kick off the connections. To me, it's very clearly aligned to the coach's role. Like, no one can ever really explain if they're outside of the role of a coach what exactly they do and what their job is. And I, oftentimes coaches find themselves in positions where they have to clarify that role And hopefully they have a partner in their principal to help really secure and toe that line of what their job is and how they can be a great support. But that's the connection that I first made when we talked about it. Mine's really similar, Casey. And I think mine was more for middle leaders in general, not just coaches, because there's a lot of people in leadership positions that are not a principal or an assistant principal where people aren't completely aware of what they do. So I would basically say for me, it's about the idea of having that kind of elevator pitch in your pocket. It's not just about the partnership with the principal. You as the employee who does this work need to find a quick, concise way to describe what you do because you're going to be asked. Mm -hmm. And there is going to be confusion, but it's great if you have something ready in your pocket that's very brief, but gets to the point of what you do and what you're capable of doing so that you can talk about the partnership that you provide to teachers or what your role is within the system to help clarify that for others quickly, which Chandler never is able to do. (laughs) He is what not to do, right? (laughs) Emily, I love that. I think it's a helpful strategy. The thing that came to my mind was just the invisible work that many of us do regardless of role. So Casey, I love that you're talking about coaching. Anytime I can talk coaching, I love it. And I agree with you. I think it's one of those enigmatic jobs that is in the education system, but industry-wide, like whether we're in the industry of education or outside of it, if you're listening to this and you do a job, there is definitely going to be invisible work that people really just don't understand how you do it or what you do. Sometimes it's a little bit, you know, if you're a zookeeper, probably more likely we understand that you're cleaning out your (laughs) (laughs) literally uh but but in general there's going to be in any role the invisible work that you do but emily i do really like like that tie-in of what you're talking about with that elevator pitch that's really a good thing to have in your back pocket i can't agree more so we're all pretty close on that one our next connection i 
as a wannabe chef and cook, this next scene speaks to me quite a bit. So I'm excited to hear your two connections. In one of the holiday episodes, I believe this is the holiday episode that also featured Jennifer Aniston's husband at the time, Brad Pitt. Um, The episode where Rachel decides that she's going to participate in cooking for the, (laughs) the dessert, even though Monica is an exceptional chef, but go for it. The trifle. So happens Rachel makes this dessert. She starts with everything, pudding and lady fingers, and then adds on beef gravy and <laughs> onions. And it turns out the page is stuck together between the shepherd's pie and the trifle. So what are some connections we can make here? Okay, so let me give this one with a little bit of a disclaimer because I am all for professional growth and kind of pushing yourself to new places as an educator, but I also think there's something to be said for roles within teams. When we start working in a team and we start to realize that there are some things that people in our team or our guild do extraordinarily well, letting them do their awesome thing (laughs) is sometimes the exact way to go. I think realizing that Monica was an executive chef and realizing that she doesn't enjoy or excel at cooking mm-hmm. might have been a moment of realism for Rachel that kept everybody from having to eat beef dessert. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go next because <laughs> that is great. Um, and uh, honestly, Emily, I'm so glad that you put that disclaimer in there because it really, without it, mine sounds like exactly like what you were talking about, because that's really what I thought about was my heart goes out to Rachel but I do agree with you. Like there is a, a time and a place for roles and accepting where you fit on a team. Can't agree more. But when it comes to Rachel, I'm proud of her for still stepping out of her mm-hmm. comfort zone, being willing to try and take risks on something. And my hope and encouragement is for anyone that is out there that's going to try something that they're not good at to be okay with failing at it. It's okay that she failed at it. It made for some good humor. Again, you want to be a part of a team. So I think that there's a, there's a yes and quality to this, Emily, of what you're saying and what I'm saying is just being able to embrace that, but also knowing, knowing your strengths and playing to those as well. Well, and it's interesting too, because Rachel starts out as somebody without not a lot of work skills and finds herself to like an upper level executive mm-hmm. position in fashion. And I think that she, within her strengths, manages to develop and grow quite a bit, just not as a chef. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I think of some of my, some of the ways I've grown the most as a coach is when I do fail and have that vulnerable moment in front of those that I work Mm -hmm. with. And I think it is absolutely appropriate to make mistakes. It's the vulnerable part of you that puts it on display, makes learning and risk-taking okay for others. And it's the way that you handle it as a coach that really can help build that credibility, relationship, and connection with those you're there to serve. So there are a couple of additional characters that we have not yet mentioned in our connection so far, and I think they all come together. All six friends come together in this connection, and this is the apartment swap, which, if I remember correctly, you've got uh, Chandler and Joey wanting to switch apartments with Rachel and Monica, and therefore they play a game in order to decide who will get which apartment. And that game is really monitored or czarred by one of my favorite characters in the show, the quirky and amazing Phoebe Buffay. So what are some connections we can make to the apartment swap scenario? 
my connection is kind of meta, okay? It's not just about the apartment swap in the context of the show. I'm thinking of it more almost like outside. There were many times in Friends over the course of 10 seasons where they tried to shake things up. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at you, Rachel and Joey relationship, where it (laughs) didn't work. But I think the apartment swap was an example of shaking it up done really, really well. Mm -hmm. So to transcend Friends and bring this into the world of education, I think that there is a time and a place and a sense of readiness and a situation and a area of passion where teachers can really shake up their practice, find something new, and do something that's outside the norm, outside of their their regular go-tos, that makes things really exciting, interesting, and fun, just like this apartment swap went for the show. Like I said, there were a lot of points in time where they tried to do something like this and it didn't work, but this one worked really well. It was hilarious, and they they used it to great comedic effect, both for swapping and for swapping back. And Emily, that was super deep, and I'm going to bring it right back up to the surface. <laughs> <laughs> I think that in terms of what you're talking about, especially from the writer's end of things and what it means for the show, absolutely. But if you really think about Rachel and Monica did not want their apartment. The boys' apartment was smaller. It was less updated. They It was stinkier, whatever Wasn't it was. was there someone singing? Probably one of the, the, their, neighbors, yeah, the neighbors across or the window or whatever. So in that context, one side really wanted to move to the other side and one wanted to stay put, but then they lost the bet, mm-hmm. right? So in that context, I feel like this could be, and again, it's pretty surface level, but it's where my head went, is when you think of like, sometimes there's the incentives that a principal might offer, like, oh, hey, you know what, if you do this thing, then I'll swap roles with you and I will sub your class for a day. And sometimes that's helpful. And other times it makes it actually harder. You don't really want that. So that's kind of where my head went. I could take this even deeper and I'm not going to go there today. (laughs) (laughs) Nice work. Mine is kind of out of left field, but I think Jenny ties a little bit into where you were going with the fact that Monica and Rachel did not want to change. And so when they decided on a trivia game, one of Jenny's favorite games that we play on this podcast, there was this air... There was this air of overconfidence that they had. Like, we'll be able to do this because typically Joey's super stupid. (laughs) Chandler just is quippy and really can't keep up with these two, Monica being the most detail-oriented. So I think of what we've three of us have often talked about when we are supporting leaders is the difference between the humility cycle and the overconfidence cycle. Like when we get into a state where we feel really cocky, we're looking for moments that support our decisions and our belief instead of approaching things with humility and inquiry and seeing, is this the right decision? What data and information can I gather to not only support my vision, but also the wider vision or things that may be counter to what I believe. So that was the kind of lofty connection I made to this super ridiculous and also fictional event. I love when all our connections are different like that, though. Bonus points. (laughs) And to end things, we're going to bring it back to some of the characters that we visited in our first connection. This time it is Chandler, Rachel, and Ross. Recently, the girls have discovered a... If I remember correctly, a couch on the street, and they decide it would fit perfectly in their apartment. 
And probably one of the most memorable moments of this series is when Rachel and Chandler are trying to maneuver the couch up the stairs that is clearly not going to fit while Ross screams pivot each time (laughs) in order to help direct the movement of this garbage couch. So the first connection that I thought of with this scene has to do with really one of the reasons many of us become teachers is we absolutely love our content. We know the events of the Revolutionary War backwards and forwards. We know what each soliloquy in Hamlet stands for. And so we think we're going to be exceptional teachers. Whereas I think sometimes what happens when we're really good, especially in secondary, at knowing our content, our ability to explain things clearly (laughs) actually suffers. We don't know what it's like to not understand something or to struggle. And so we just kind of, I was guilty of this say things the same way when trying to explain it to kids when really it doesn't make much of a difference. It just leads to frustration. And this is where we see student engagement drop because they're not at the right readiness level and we're not explaining things in a way that makes sense and is in kid-friendly language. I'll jump right in next because mine is similar. I went to Ross not having any specific feedback whatsoever on what he really wanted. So I find like that's sort of in line with what you said, Emily, even when you were talking about expectations with on the break and the communication, this is also related in a way because he needs to be able to tell them what he really is expecting of them or what kind of feedback he needs in order to move the couch in the direction that he needs to go. And this could go in one of two ways. This could go in the classroom, as Casey, you're talking about with engagement of students and the feedback they need, but also from the leadership angle, when we're talking about when we are directing or leading specific people that are working with us or in partnership with us and we're not really giving them much information or the feedback is non-specific. it's really hard to be able to serve those people or in a student's perspective, perform in such a way in class that is to the expectation of where our, our standards are and what we're hoping to reach in our learning. So I think that that's what makes it funny. That's yeah. where the humor is at because that's all he's saying. And of course, he just says it in a hilarious way. Pivot. Pivot. And you've got yourself a really good scene. And here I come with the obvious on the nose connection, but somebody had to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Why not you, Em? Yeah. Dirty words and unpopular opinions. We did this episode way back in the day in season one. Yes, bonus (laughs) points for me. But when you think about what we talked about in that episode about how a dirty word becomes a dirty word, it is oft repeated, not with a lot of meaning or understanding like you've both mentioned in your connection, so I don't have to rub that one in. But when a meaningless repeated phrase is kind of done in a top-down sort of way, it becomes a dirty word and the people hate it. And you are either internally or maybe even externally like poor Chandler yelling, shut up, shut up, shut up. You're so over it. And that's how those dirty words work. That was a good one, Em. That was so good. (laughs) Mic drop on the end. Yes. All right. We ready for a game? Game. Okay. We're going to bring back one of our favorite oldies, but 
goodies just won Friends Edition. So for those new to our podcast, this game's super fun, based off of a pretty famous uh, common party game that all of us now own in our families. We have to provide our active player with just one word to try to get them to guess our one single word that they are trying to guess. And this time, I don't have to text either of you because we're all here. This is so much easier. (laughs) Yep. So our active player in what I hope will be a beautiful redemption story will first be (laughs) Jenny Labrie. Redemption? Didn't I beat you in the last episode? Don't rub it in. (laughs) Who's counting? Yeah. Uh, So, Jenny, numbers one through five, please. Lucky number four. Number four. All right. If you could please head to our virtual, no, not virtual, our physical break room. No, Which is in the kitchen. Oh, I have to actually You leave. have to actually leave. All right. So for the benefit of our listeners, we've got two words here that we're going to share with Jenny. Thankfully, neither Emily or I canceled each other out. And our words are caffeinated and mug. We'll call her back in to see if she can guess with just one guess, our one word. I feel like I'm going to miss the frantic waving. I know. <laughs> I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> All right, Jenny, you ready for your words? Well, first, aren't you going to ask me about the green room? Oh, oh how yeah. are the snacks? <laughs> I didn't have actual snacks <laughs> in there, but I didn't have any <laughs> Instead, I was looking at some adorable photos of Emily's twins as in their toddler years. Aww. And you don't have a cat, so why is there a framed picture of a cat? Uh, ben put some cute Harry Potter cats okay. in the picture <laughs> So that's what I did in the green room. Perfect. All right. Okay. So your first word is caffeinated and your second word is mug now these all have to do with friends well i want to give you my stream of consciousness because i'm thinking i'm not this is not my answer yet because that's just one word it's so specific (laughs) it's so specific so i want to say the coffee house but that's two words so it can't be that caffeinated it can't be the couch because a couch isn't caffeinated coffee Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was way too simple. All right. Thinking. Hey, I got a point. Woo. Point. All right. So now we're up to Emily. You shall be our player. Oh, first, Emily. Numbers one through five, all but four. One. Emily is choosing number one. We're kind of violating here the um, one-word clue or one-word word a little bit, but I think you'll forgive us. Do we try and get the same words? So she has no clue. <laughs> no, we got to give her, try to give her a fighting right. chance. So for our listeners, up first, I'll share my word. My word is stinky. This is going to give it away. It's going to be so easy. <laughs> Song. All right, Em, we're ready for you. Frantic waving. Unlike Jenny, I actually did engage in some snacking. There was <laughs> a delicious brookie in there, so I took a, took a little slice. <laughs> All right, um, your first word is stinky. Song. Smelly cat. <laughs> Can you sing it? Sing it! Smelly cat, what are they feeding you? Smelly cat. Oh, so good, so good. 
Well, I think this has been a wonderful way to end our game with a tie and a beautiful serenade of smelly cats. So what do we win? (laughs) Um, 15 cups, giant cups of coffee and two sets of Phoebe Buffet pigtails. Congratulations to you both. Coffee 30. Let's go. So sad to say our break is coming or has already come to an end. So we are going to be wrapping up the pop culture winter wonderland for now, but we'll hope to see on the summer playground down in the future. And we'll be returning back to our regular format content shortly. And we're actually really excited to be doing some talking about the needs of new teachers and veteran teachers by way of a favorite education show, Abbott Elementary. Can't wait. And that's a wrap on today's episode. It's always so fun to be behind the mics talking to you, our GLG fam. Thanks for choosing to come around to engage with our Guild's content as we passionately continue to advocate for adult learners with transparent conversations about the world of education, impactful leadership, and the power of high-functioning teams. The Grounded Learners Guild is a production of Grounded Learning, LLC. If you'd like to connect, the power of the PLN continues. As always, you can find us on our website, thegroundedlearnersguild.com. While you are there, check out our past episodes, our socials, and learn how you can bring the GLG flavor to your next professional learning event. And yep, you know, your feedback is everything. Feedback is that powerful tool that allows us to be responsive to the topics that matter to you most. If you haven't yet already or are finding us for the first time, leave us a review and hit that subscribe button. You can find us wherever you stream. Thanks as always for tuning in to be a part of the Grounded Learners Guild. That's it for us, Casey, Emily, and me, Jenny, in today's episode. See you all at the next Guild meeting. And don't forget, in the meantime... Do your best to stay grounded.